Welcome to the Akiyama Brothers Song to Screen Podcast, where two film composers from Southern California talk about music and film and theater. In this episode, Mark and Landon talk about the equipment they use to record the podcast, the equipment they use to write scores, and a little bit about their workflows. Find out more at AkiyamaMusic.com. Hey, Mark. Hey, how's it going? Not Hey, Landon. Hey, it's not too shabby over here. Um, it is getting a lot hotter really quickly. Uh, so the temperature look, in Miami is now 95 degrees. Yeah, very close. That's what it feels like. It's humid every day. And, and 1,000% humidity. <laughs> thank you. Better weather. bring a raincoat out there, friends. Well, uh, thank you there, weatherman Mark. All right, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. So. it's <laughs> enough of our fake radio voices. <laughs> no, we could be really great radio hosts. I think so. Um, let's see, to follow up though from last week's episode, we want to thank everybody who have, who's continuing to subscribe. Um, we really appreciate you. And if you haven't joined yet, please go ahead and join the newsletter. You can find it on our website, akiyamamusic.com. We also wanted to mention, shout out to Isaiah Frizzell for, uh, letting us interview you last week or two weeks, two weeks ago on the last episode seven. As... As the first official guest on our podcast. Yes. <sighs> yeah, he was really good. Let's go wild. I think I've heard the best and most things about that podcast episode recently. I don't know if you guys noticed we tried to do something like special with the theme song for that episode. Um, a little like horror version of our, our theme song. So we're going to, we might try to throw those kind of things in every once in a while for specific episodes um so yeah stay tuned for that kind of stuff too and then speaking of which um also for the we were talking about in episode six with the junkie xl uh he came out with a video where we talked about tomb raider yeah he's came out finally came out with a video where he talked about the custom-made tahitian drums um that he ordered here in san diego so he did a little demo of how those sound and everything and talked about uh the guy who makes them so We'll put a link to that in the show notes, and you can go watch that video also as another little follow-up thing. Yeah, and he also mentioned um, that he recorded those and sampled them in London for the for Tomb Raider. And I think we've mentioned sampling a lot in the past, and I'm not quite sure everybody knows what sampling means. Uh, so sampling is really you're just recording the instrument in all its different ways that it can be played so that you can later recreate that in a program. Um, so you use those recordings, you export them as audio files, and then you put those audio files into a program, and then you basically set each audio file for a specific um, keynote that you would use on a MIDI keyboard, uh, that when you press a pitch on the MIDI keyboard, it would trigger the specific audio file. Yeah, so it's a way of being able to play the instrument uh, in a more controlled way without having to record it and re-record stuff if you like want to change the way you played it or if you want to change the 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 music that you're actually playing. It's a little faster. Right. So you would, to sample drums, how would you do that? So for a drum, you would probably like play through the different dynamics going from really quiet to really loud and hitting uh, like a really quiet note just one note and then so that would be recorded so that can later be triggered from a keyboard program to trigger a keyboard um so you go through like the different dynamic ranges you could go from 
on a drum you could do uh, like a roll uh, multiple hits for one for one keyboard hit so that if you press the keyboard the MIDI keyboard the MIDI piano keyboard you would get like a roll on the drum so that'd be one like another thing you would have to record a couple times to get different versions of that and um, it depends how deep the the they the people sampling the instrument want to get with it but you can do a bunch of different like combinations of dynamics and articulations and how you play it to get a sample library made. Right. So it ends up being a really long kind of tedious process, but it sounds like Junkie XL does this a lot with the, most of his instruments. He resamples them almost all the time for every film. So he, I guess he has a pretty good system down on how to do it. Well, I guess, I guess for him that makes it quicker so he can call up whatever instruments that he wants and just play them with the keyboard instead of having to actually get the instrument out and set up a microphone and record it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true too. But um, for me, if it's a drum, I'm probably going to want to record it anyway and play it live. Right, which I guess that's good in case uh, you're in a fire and you can't save the Pacific drums and they end up burning. Then you have... The recordings the of them, sam- the, backup <laughs> the, the backup samples. <laughs> That's true. So I guess for today's episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, about these kind of workflows that we already started talking about. Um, there's a lot of different equipment that Mark and I use to record the podcast, to film score, or to score some films, and um, and even to record instruments. So we thought it might be interesting if we covered a little bit more about that. Um, I know Mark and I, we, we kind of use different equipment. I am using a little bit more simple equipment because that mine has to be more portable um, right now. And Mark has a really nice setup that I see on the, while we're, while we're talking that he'll get to explaining later. We thought it'd be cool to briefly like go over some of the stuff of how we record the podcast and like what other instruments we use or what other audio gear we use for when we're like actually in the middle of scoring a film, which uh, I'm kind of currently doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the secret project that you were talking about? A few episodes. Yeah, ago? I don't. E- I'm. I don't. I'm pretty sure I can't really say anything about it, but um, I'm kind of in the middle of trying out different equipment and everything, and rearranging, rearranging stuff to like get a good workflow going for the for the particular film that I'm working on. So. Right. So. Yeah. I don't know. Why don't we just, I guess, why don't we just start with a workflow? Are you, you mentioned that you were working on a, on a template a lot like junkie, what junkie XL does. Um, how's that coming? <laughs> how's my template coming? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I kind of haven't, I mean, I kind of have one set up sort of, but it's like a, a run and gun kind of template where, I'm writing as I'm going, so I'm thinking, oh, I need this instrument right here, so let me go find that and put it in in, in my template somewhere. <laughs> so I haven't had time to really consolidate my template yet. Also, I'm still kind of at the point where I'm experimenting with what kind of soundscape and like what exact instruments I want to use for the film to get a specific sound for it and everything. It's it's not quite there yet and I'm not really happy with the direction yet. So I'm not, I haven't nailed down a template yet, but 
So right now it's a whole mix mixed mash of mix mash mosh pit mosh mosh. What's the word mishmash? And um, that's not a word. That's uh, not a thing. That's not it. It's a whole okay. It's a whole little scrambled egg bucket of uh, <laughs> of different <laughs> instruments. <laughs> like you mean specific instruments though? Yeah. Well, like I use the the Spitfire Spitfire audio sample libraries. Uh, I'm using their their chamber strings library that they came out with, and the Sacconi string quartet. I think it's called. And yeah, and all I think both those libraries are recorded at the the Air Studios in London. Mm-hmm. So what Spitfire Audio does, this company, they they release a bunch of sample libraries, and most of them are recorded uh, at the Air Studios with uh, different string quartets and string players and everything. And then they also have like real specific instruments, uh, like they partner with Hans Zimmer on some. Their latest one with him, I think, was his. He did a string library. Um, and I haven't really, uh, I haven't really researched that one too much yet, but that's a new library that they came out with of his. They also have like a library with him on his, uh, percussion instruments and the big, like booming drum, epic drum sounds that he does. Um, so they do a lot of like work with him and then I think they might, they have like an organ also, uh, they have like some brass ensembles and stuff, but yeah, I really like their, I really like their stuff and um, it's pretty adaptable, like customizable to how you want the, their instruments to sound. So that's nice. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. I noticed um, I've had a few projects here that I had to do for school and I had to use the tools that I, I was limited to. So I ended up using logic Um and the, the samples and logic, and a lot of them are not that great. Um, uh, some of them are bad. You just have to find the good ones. Well, I, I guess I didn't I didn't find the good ones, apparently. Um, the other handy tool in logic is the loops, the Apple loops. Yeah. Those are pretty good. Those are handy. Those are real quick drop-in. And we used to use those in school just to get projects done real quick. Yeah, now I think Logic Pro X, they just... Um, launched a new version where it has something called smart tempo. Um, so those loops, they automatically fix themselves to the tempo that you're recording in um, pretty quickly. And it, it, if you record something like say a guitar track, uh, just a few basic chords, the uh, was it logic will be able to basically guess what tempo you're at. And then it'll, oh, okay. it'll fix yeah, those, yeah. Li- those, those loops to that tempo. So if your timing sucks, I mean, that, and it's not going to work in logic then <laughs> <laughs> there's ways to fix that in logic too though yeah like no, you can change fix your timing and yeah stuff, there's but. like flex time and then you can also do a flex pitch which is fixing the pitch in your voice or, or not whatever. that we would know anything about that because we we play it in perfectly every single time are you kidding me every we're time. professional musicians yeah. every time <laughs> just give me that click track and boom good to go <laughs> Pipe it in hot through the headphones. I got it. <laughs> yeah, I've um, I I mostly use Logic, I guess, and uh, and when the next one I'm I'm planning to learn is Cubase. Um, yeah. Did you download Cubase already? I did. I have Cubase. I was planning to use it to start one of our older projects. <clears throat> okay. Um, I was going to use it to start to do 
start orchestrating the musical that we wrote, the musical songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, a long time ago we wrote like a, a short stop motion animated musical thing. So we have the the what is it three or four songs recorded and everything. So I was gonna go back and orchestrate them with um, the instruments and like orchestras and some strings and a whole bunch of really cool stuff. And so I was gonna use those to practice uh, Cubase on, but I since I got put on this film, I haven't had time to really figure out Cubase. So so I've been using Logic because that's my that's like the fastest thing I work in, so I'm most comfortable in there. So right. Yeah, and so yeah, we're both running Logic Pro X is what we're doing. And that's actually what we're recording the podcast into too right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm recording my audio on my end in San Diego into my Logic session. And then Landon has his computer in Miami and he's recording his audio into his Logic session. And then he, later he just sends me his audio and then I put it all together in my in my file and time everything in. Yep. Cut out the stuff we don't want you to hear, you know. Yeah, and it's mostly like the, <laughs> sure. the butt ums and, uh, and pauses where we, where we talk over each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we got, we got better at that, though. We uh, stopped doing that as much. I hope so, yeah. I haven't, but, um, I haven't been paying attention to it that much. But, um... But, um... No, and then, yeah, and then I also... Right now, I have my logic session set up so that i can play the keyboard and it'll also record the audio from there and then i actually have two keyboards set up and it's really cool because you can uh set up as many mini keyboards into logic as you want and if you enable them all to record at the same time you can switch between different keyboards and the audio will pick it up from each keyboard and record it into logic Mm. so that's really helpful it's just quicker instead of having to go back and record a new track with a new instrument each time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And then, um, so does it, when you start playing on the, on the Raven works, does it, uh, does it start recording from there or is it continuously recording as we speak right now? Right now, because I haven't played the keyboard yet in this episode, it's it hasn't started its own track yet but it's um hang on if i go over to play it right now yeah yeah so it just started its own track right now (laughs) all right all right can you guess that song (laughs) anyway um yeah so that's and after I stop playing it, it ends its track also. So it just picks it up whenever you start playing, which is really cool. Um, oh, yeah, that is pretty cool. <clears throat> I didn't know it could do yeah, that. A lot, of, a lot of the stuff we try to do is mostly to save time and make make it really efficient. And so you don't have to go back and waste time going over stuff and re-recording things on top of each other. Cause, um, yeah, because that gets... Because time is money. <laughs> you waste enough time trying to think of what actually to write. You don't want to waste time figuring out how to record it in yeah did you already say that while we're recording this podcast we you and i facetime each other i, I don't think people know that okay <laughs> well yeah mark and i yeah, right so, now we're facetiming yeah i can see what he's doing and what he's playing on his keyboards and everything and i can he can basically see me talking into just a mic um because i don't have any keyboards set up here well sometimes you play your guitar though and then you'll move 
you'll yeah, have I the do. microphone set up in front of the guitar too. It's weird though that. because I have the microphone set up to pick up my voice, so it's right in line with my nose to chin area. And then when I go to play my guitar, I have to kind of stand up, so it picks up, you know, the the ideal spot um, right between the sound hole and the neck piece. Yeah, we were going to talk about how we record instruments, and that's just how I record my guitar. Um, I try to get it right in between a sweet spot. Um, so what Mark and I were doing when we recorded some of those songs for the musical, one of them had a really heavy guitar track, um, acoustic guitar track. So, Not like a heavy metal guitar track, like, yeah, a, like, like a, a light poppy kind of guitar track. Right, but it was very, <laughs> it was acoustic guitar driven. So I didn't want to, I have a Taylor guitar. Um, I didn't want it to, uh, to plug it in to have the audio stream through the, through the plugin directly into the DAW. Um, so the best way to do it, because then you just get, you just get the strings to the bridge, the very end, the bottom of the guitar, and you don't get any of the chamber resonance, um, of the actual body. So what we ended up doing is we, we just recorded it, um, I guess the old fashioned way. So we, uh, I was, I was playing it and Mark was listening, listening to the best spot with his ear. Like he had his head up against the, the guitar while I was playing it so he could he could move it around and see where the best spot was to put a microphone. Yeah, I was kinda of looking for you kinda of look for an area where it's not too boomy or boxy sounding. Uh as you kinda of also don't want too where it's too bright and not enough low end in the guitar. So we kinda of just listened around to find a, a good a good balance between the upper and the lower strings and then not too boomy. Yeah. I guess it mostly depends on the guitar shape. Mine is a, uh, a grand auditorium for that one. And so, um, for my model, it sounded best between the sound hole and where the neck piece meets the body. So somewhere yeah. along that axis. Let's see. What else did we want to talk about? I don't know. I thought you might want to talk about your Ravenworks. Oh, Okay. Because I think that's a um, pretty cool, pretty cool keyboard, and uh, a lot of people might yeah. not know about it yet. Yeah. So, um, but for the like our our studio keyboard that we have, I like recently was looking for one that had like to mimic as close as possible like a real acoustic piano, like so the way the keys feel, um, the way the keys move up and down, how they react to how fast you hit hit the keys and everything. Also one that can give you more dynamic range, like play really, really soft and still register. So yeah, I did some research and I found one. Well, I first like started looking for one that has wooden keys, um, with, a that mimics, uh, actual key an actual piano, um, hammer action. So I found one from this company in Arizona they make um, amazing full-size concert grand pianos, like custom-made and everything. They do really cool finishes, and uh, they they play amazingly. So those are the Raven Ravenscroft pianos. They make their real acoustic pianos, and then they also do a thing where where they take a Kawai keyboard that um, a Kawai factory keyboard that has um, actual hammers, like a real piano does. So it's got a full like a it's a little bit shorter than a full length grand piano key, like an actual, the white key, the length of it. So it has real keys about like maybe 10 inches long that go into the case, the keyboard case and everything. So it mimics the action of a real piano. So there's a little hammer that 
um, the key will trigger. And then it has like three MIDI sensors that tell how hard the key was hit, how fast the key was hit. And then the third one also lets you uh, repeat notes like really, really quick, um, like a normal piano, like. So it registers the key. You can play the key again without having the key come up all the way. If yeah. that makes sense. Sorry, that was really quick. I'm trying to get through this. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, I so think... what this company, what this company who the Raven Ravenscroft pianos, what they do is they take the Kawhi piano and then they do their treatment on it. They uh, make sure the keys are all like spaced evenly. Um, they rebalance everything. I think they add better felt to the keys. Um, they just do like a, a really nice makeover to the keys um, to make sure everything plays well and feels even and all the spacing is good. So they, they do some other upgrades too. And um, <clears throat> so what, what I really like about this keyboard is it's plays really, really close to an actual piano. Like it feels really similar. I can go from our upright piano that we have here uh, to my, the MIDI keyboard to play whatever I, whatever I'm writing into the computer. And it feels like really natural and you get a lot of dynamic expression more so than you do with oh, a, a weighted key is what they call it. Like mm-hmm. for the MIDI keyboards usually. So, but that usually means that it's still like a plastic key and it doesn't, it doesn't have the hammer action that um, a real piano does. Yeah. Cause I think some um, of the, some of the less expensive keyboards out on the market, those are like key cutouts so they're hollow on the inside. So they're not really, they don't have a much um, heftiness. You don't have as much control. Yeah. Yeah. So there's those ones and then there's the weighted keys and then there's what Mark is talking about now. Yeah. So these are wooden keys that mimic or with a, a hammer action keyboard. Yeah. And that right now that's like the closest I've found to playing an actual piano and it makes playing into a computer a lot more fun and more efficient because I don't have to go in and change dynamics to make it what I actually wanted because the piano pretty much plays it great. And it would also use what those samples that we talked about earlier. So, Oh yeah. It'll use any, any, uh, any piano sample. You can use it to play any piano sample or any other sample library like a normal MIDI keyboard, but um, yeah, Raven Ravenscroft actually sells a their own sample, uh, their own piano sample for their nine foot concert grand, um, and they sell that through Vi Labs, and uh, we could put a link to the to that sample, but um, that that piano it sounds really good. I really love that sample and that's the one that I pretty much use. That's the one that's actually on the theme song. That piano sample sound. Mhm. Um yeah, and it sounds great. It plays great. There's there's a lot of adjustments you can make to the tone of the piano too. A lot of customization of how uh how responsive it is. Um And the other thing I forgot to mention is the Kawaii keyboard. It also has um a three pedal, three keyboard pedal input instead of just the one sustained pedal, you get all three of the like the traditional grand piano foot pedal controllers, which is really nice. And you don't 
get that too often with um, MIDI keyboards. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty awesome keyboard. Um, makes me want really cool. Yeah, makes me want to play piano a little bit more than just guitar. <laughs> Someday, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need to. I need to learn that eventually. I think. Oh yeah, and then we also use Apogee Duet. Um, as an interface to record the microphones into the computer. Um, you can also use, um, what else was the other one? Universal Audio, Apollo. Oh, yeah. They have a, a twin microphone input thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we just really like Apogee stuff. Um, yeah, I think we might actually... It's pretty clean. Yeah, even, I mean, the Duet, hence the name, it has two inputs that can basically work for XLR microphones and also instruments. Um, so like take guitar, for example, as a, uh, a quarter inch plug and also a two quarter inch plugs and two XLR inputs. So, so we thought, I mean, it, it is kind of limiting right now, but we might expand it to getting maybe an ensemble, um, the Apogee ensemble, which is, um, no, we're not, not the ensemble, not the ensemble, which, what were we thinking of? The element? Uh, no, not the element. That's well, there's not. the ensemble and then the symphony. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So one of those, one of those, just so we can expand the number of inputs that we have to rec- to use to record. The more microphone inputs, though, like we we'd be able to record more instruments, or uh, like a drum set, put more mics on a drum set and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. I think. Well, I did want to talk a little bit about Logic Pro X. Um, Cause that's the one that we're most comfortable with. And I actually think it kind of looks, I want to say it looks the best out of all the DAWs that we've Whoa. seen like pro tools and Cubase. My word. <laughs> yeah. Logic looks really pretty. Yeah. I mean, Apple does a really good job designing it and they always like the word pro in, in their products. Um, that's why it's called logic pro X. Um, but I think it has the icons on Logic are a little bit cuter, <laughs> just aesthetically. It's, I would say overall, yeah, it's like less intimidating to look at. And right. It's easier to, it, I don't know if it's easier, but it's like a little more, uh, okay, sure, whatever. Easier to find stuff and easier to start working immediately and get stuff set up. Yeah, um, and I also used, I used Ableton once on a friend's computer. We were recording something and it, that quickly confused me. Um I think it might just be because I used it for that one session, but it, it it's actually very confusing, I think, to me. I have yeah. no experience with Ableton at all. To me, though, Ableton was always more for, what do you call it? Like drum sequencing yeah. and like DJing, okay. that right. kind of thing, where like you have a, a drum track on a loop or something, or you build a drum track yeah, and that, it loops it and stuff like that, and you just add stuff onto it. But I'm not really sure, so I can't talk about that. I don't know. It's very it's, don't listen to me. I don't know anything. Well, I mean, from what from the one session that I used for it, it's pretty similar to Logic, um, where you would have what the uh, the instrument panel, and you can you can put in you can program notes into the software, uh, and then and then most of it comes from you would just manipulate those sounds into something more whatever whatever you wanted. But I think Logic looks the best because the widgets, those software instruments that you're using and the and the windows that they pop up, like the EQ and the um, like noise gates and um, yeah. uh, the synthesizers, all of them mm-hmm. are like, they're designed to be on a digital platform so they don't look like they're trying to mimic real life 
like analog hardware. Yeah, yeah. like analog hardware. Um, it's so they're less less skeuomorphic widgets than the rest, and you know, so they look less like a element of. Um, uh, they look less like they mimic physical objects and more like they're made for the digital platform. Um, but yeah, Tom Holkenborg, uh, Junkie XL, we talked about him a few episodes ago. He uses Cubase a lot. Yeah, he said, Cubase has marvelously developed into a rich and seamless program, allowing me to build dream templates that satisfy any desire when scoring a film. The range, mix, and editing features are simply superior to any other programs out there. Ooh, yikes. Maybe we should try Cubase. Well, we are. <laughs> yeah, I am, I'm getting into that, but... Um... Yeah. Cubase has really good native plugins, like their EQ and their compressors and all their other audio, like FX and stuff. They work really, really well. Right. Um, so you don't have to really buy third-party things. I mean, Apple's work really well too. But Cubase seems to be just better. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, know. Logic really. I guess isn't, we'll find out. Well, Logic really isn't the industry standard. There's kind of the edge cases that end up using it. I would, I don't know. I'd say Pro Tools, Cubase, and Logic are all like the same, on the same level. Enough people use all of them that you're going to run it and work with people who use either one of those. Okay, so yeah. So they're You familiar. just kind of have to, you just kind of have to be familiar with all of them and be able to work in all of them. Yeah. I mean, you can have a preference, obviously, but like right now, our preference is Logic, but I want to get good at Cubase too because I like it. So the other really cool instrument um, that I started using more of, especially for the film that I'm working on now, um, is the Rolly Seaboard. It's like a keyboard that has, they call them key waves. They're not exactly like standard piano keys. They're more like what, like a jelly pad kind of thing in the shape of a key. So what it lets you do is you can add vibrato to a key by like pressing down on it and shaking your finger back and forth like you would on a guitar like where you uh, add vibrato to a string or a violin even or uh, any string instrument like that. It gives you more control over um, expression like dynamics and vibrato and modulation. Instead of having to add those things in later after you record the instrument, um, you can do that while you're playing, which is really cool because now as a keyboardist, I can do slides like on a guitar. I can slide up on a note. Yeah, I can sure. add vibrato to a key. I can what else? It's yeah, it's a lot more expressive, I think. Yeah. What? Uh-huh. They the do first... like they call it like a five dimension touch yeah, keyboard. And the, one of the first videos that I saw of somebody using a rolly keyboard, I think they were using a um what is it? A a, a cello sample. And it sounded like yeah. a, a solo cello sample, and it sounded really cool because you could get the actual vibrato of the cello, and it was uh, it was pretty cool. It's just nice to be able to play the expressiveness while you're playing instead of having to add it in later, like yeah. you normally do. Well, I mean, there's other ways of doing it. Like you can do, you can set MIDI faders, your sliders, to control that that stuff as you're playing, but then you run into the problem of. Uh, you can only one hand has to be on the fader and the other hand has to be on the keyboard and you can't, I mean, you're still, it's not as cohesive as playing it all in one, like a, the real instrument, like a cellist would play a cello and do the expression at the same time, because that's how you play music. So why wouldn't you have a keyboard that can do that? 
so that's just a new thing, uh, Roly. That's R O L I. I think they're, I think they're in London, um, but know. they have they have other products like Little Blocks um, mm-hmm. that kind of do the same thing, and it's really neat. I mean, I would check the company out. They're really cool. They're yeah, doing, and and the keys are really squishy, so they kind of feel like you're squishing bugs, like caterpillars. <laughs> Ew, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, great. Yeah, kind of. Every time you press one, think of a caterpillar. You're killing that caterpillar. But it's like squishy. It feels like there's a gel underneath it. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe think it's about... It's made of soft silicone. Yeah, think the, about the like Dr. Scholl's insoles on your shoes. Yeah. You're playing on Dr. Scholl's shoe inserts the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Across do you, the whole keyboard. Do you have the Rolly plugged in? Can you play a yeah, little... Yeah, I do. Can you play a little something, something? Oh, yeah, here. Yeah, here. did a little slide thing there yeah. but that's just to show you that you can slide all the way with the keyboard you would that like that doesn't sound realistic on a cello but yeah yeah our whole thing is try to get instruments that mimic real instruments the way you would play them or anything to help speed up your process yeah because you would want to take as much time out of you know thinking about how to execute something and just do it i talk about the console one Oh yeah. So Mark, if I don't know I if you guys I don't know if you guys saw this, but Mark made a really cool Instagram stories video showing off uh this new piece of hardware that he got called the console one. Um I'll let him explain it, but if you haven't seen the video, it's highlighted on his Instagram at Mark underscore Akiyama. And uh it's uh, it's a pretty good video. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I just I just wanted to do a fun video. Um What's really cool about this mixer is uh, it works with your DAW program and it kind of does something that no other piece of hardware does that I've ran into. Like there's, I mean, there's obviously other hardware controllers that you can uh, assign different knobs to control different plugins and things within Logic and stuff. But this one is really cool because it's made by SoftTube and they, they make sample or they make plugins so they they've modeled solid state logic consoles that used to be used for um analog recording sessions like huge consoles in in uh, the control rooms and stuff so what they did is they've modeled a couple different versions of these and put them into this mixer so you get the software plugin to it's to mix so it comes with like an eq equalizer a compressor and a couple other like shaping tools, um, like drive and pan and stuff. So it works with this with with their plugin software, and um, it lets you switch between tracks and Logic, and just go through and really quickly equalize and compress things, but with real knobs. So instead of only having to use your mouse to click one thing at a time, you can adjust multiple things and um, pay attention more to what it's actually affecting. The way it's set up is the hardware acts as one channel strip in this huge console with the different effects in it. And then when you switch different tracks, those controls then work for that track. Basically, it's a mixer, a really cool mixer. 
Yeah, but what it does differently is it works with its own software that models the old analog hardware solid state logic console. Yeah, like a, I think this one's the four thousand that it comes with. Um, but they also have like a nine thousand console that you can get, or a British Class A console. Um, okay, and then you can swap out the different compressors into that section of the track. So you can customize like what what plugins you want to run in that track. Right. So here's really what cool. SoftTube says. Um, it's uh, you can quickly switch between your tracks and control EQ, compressor, gate, and more. Mix with the sound of the included Solid State Logic SL four thousand E, or yeah. customize your channels to fit your needs. There are over seventy console one ready plugins available from SoftTube and Universal Audio looks pretty cool yeah it works with it works with universal audio plugins so if you have a lot of those or you use those you can i think you can switch a lot of them into uh the console also is this made out of metal yeah it's a steel casing okay and then what are it's the like knobs? about uh the knobs are plastic <laughs> oh. but they're really smooth and you get a lot of control and then it has led markers for where you are and stuff it's about the size of like a a mac keyboard a full-size keyboard with a number pad Um, so it's small it like fits on my desk with me um but i like it it's so much faster instead of having to like put plugins on each track to just compress something or mix something you just put this plugin on across all the tracks and then you can use the hardware to do everything else yeah i kind of it's so great my hands kind of get tired of um the fine using movements, the yeah, yeah, using the mouse, the trackpad to make the fine movements to, yeah, to either raise or lower, you know, EQs or or find special frequencies that I want. It gets it gets really tedious on your hands. So having something, a physical hardware piece to touch, I guess I could imagine makes it more fun. Uh, it's not just that; it's a lot faster. And like I can change, you can use two hands and change different parameters at the same time, right? And to see to shape the sound better. Like with a mouse, you can't really do that. You can only grab one thing at a time. Yeah. And yeah, like my hands start, my hand gets tired of using the trackpad after a while. Yeah. Cause when you use the trackpad, when you use the trackpad, you only use maybe three fingers at a time, your index finger, mostly to control the, uh, what do you call it? Cursor. And then I don't know, maybe your thumb to click space bar. I like the grab tool where you use three fingers or whatever. Yeah. The select yeah, it, tool. Yeah. Right. Right. And, but I mean, those are the, really the only three fingers that you end up using and then they get tired a lot. So that's just a little bit about like how we work and kind of the stuff we use. I don't know. We just wanted to talk about that real quick this episode. Um, yeah. We thought it would be fun because we kind of, sometimes we get questions about how people ask how we record a podcast when we're on two different kind of, different two different coasts. So then we were like, oh, we let's stream let's, worldwide. Let's, yeah. <laughs> And then so we thought, while we're talking about that, let's just expand the whole episode and talk about more about the equipment that we use, uh, some of the cool stuff that Marco has over in his studio, and my simple setup here. Um, if I didn't mention it, I'm using the Apogee mic, M, little I, capital C. It's like a USB plug-in mic. Um, it's, it's pretty good. I would, rec- I would recommend it if you're starting out to record stuff. Yeah, it's nice because it plugs directly into your computer, so you yeah. don't need any interface or anything. Like, yeah, I wouldn't need the the duet by Apogee or the or the symphony or the ensemble that we talked about a little bit earlier. Because Mark, he's using a um, AKG C two fourteen, 
I think that's an XLR yeah. condenser mic. Uh, mine is a condenser mic too, but Mark's has a special cable and um, prongs with the male and female ends. So he would need a special system to plug those into, and that where that's where the duet and the symphony or ensemble would come into into play. It's still like a it's a real simple setup that we use, but it works. Yeah, and we, we get clean audio, so. Yeah, we try to keep it as simple as possible. So that's about it for the audio stuff. Um, okay, yeah, and then um, as far as like output goes, <clears throat> or um, what do you call it? Oh, speakers. as far as like reference, yeah, as far as reference and audio um, speakers and stuff. Yeah, listening to what we just did. Yeah, we, I have a really huge pet peeve. I, when people have... Should I say this? Am I going to alienate a whole bunch of people? No. As long as you okay. back up your, what you're about to say, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever, no matter, like, you can use a speaker, any kind of speakers or whatever to do your listening and stuff. But um, we tend not to use headphones too much when we're actually writing stuff and mixing stuff because um, that's not how people watch movies. I mean, I guess nowadays you could watch movies on headphones and stuff, but like well, we're, if you're on a plane, you do. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Whatever. But <laughs> in the movie theater, your, your speakers are not an inch from your ear. They're behind the screen and around you. So that's kind of what we're thinking of when we're writing stuff. But yeah, I was just, my pet peeve is when people have speakers set up on their desk, like two feet from their face where the speakers you're not getting a good stereo image that way. It's and too also, close. Yeah, you're just too close. I mean, I think I get it looks kind of cool when you have the speakers on your desk and stuff, but that's not how movies are really listened to. Yeah, or or, or even if you're mixing or recording a song, a pop song, singer songwriter kind of thing, you don't want your speakers right next to you. So for my, I mean, like for our setup, we have our speakers on one side of the room and then we sit further back from them. So we get like the true stereo, the right image, the true stereo image and nothing, we make sure nothing's like being warped or we're getting a false like image of how stuff sounds. Yeah. Bottom line is I don't like to sit right in front of my speakers because I don't think you can judge how stuff is sounding that way. Yeah. But sometimes... Sometimes we also listen to stuff back when we're almost done on how it might sound on headphones or inner ears. Um, or just, even on the iPhone, yeah. Yeah, just to get a reference and see if, you know, if there's anything yeah. huge that sticks out that we need to change. Yeah, it's just to make sure that whatever you're, however people are listening to it is what you intended for them to hear as close right. as possible. Yeah. And that's pretty much it for that kind of thing. If we didn't cover what you wanted, you can always write to us on our website, akiyamamusic.com, or you can reach out to us on Instagram and then just be like, hey, how come you guys didn't talk about X, Y, and Z? I really wanted to hear about that or stuff. we wanted to know what tweaks you do to your audio or blah, blah, blah. I don't know. We yeah. don't do anything special. <laughs> I mean, I guess, well, we can talk about the tweaks that we do for the podcast. Mark puts on a noise gate, which is really helpful because it... it cuts out the background noise that comes from comes in from my mic and Mark's mic. And yeah. then, um, I don't know, do you also then, compress it? Yeah, I compress it so that our audio is about the same. Um, and then we do a little bit of EQ stuff, but yeah. really, it's not that much. 
And then anybody can do it. It's actually, so if you want to start a podcast, go for it. You could totally do it too. Um, yeah. And then Mark, he said, he is, I'm sending me the finished file with markers. I asked him to put markers, chapter markers in the, in the program in a session. So like when we talk about the follow-up, there's a separate marker. And then we, when we start getting into the content, there's another specific marker. And that's just mostly for our overcast listeners. Um, so you can skip ahead to the next one or go back to listen again to the next chapter, um, which is really cool because it's, uh, it's helpful when we want to show and illustrate stuff. And then I can also put in special images like screenshots of logic and what Mark and I are talking about for those overcast listeners. Yeah. So we'll try to do that for this episode too. Mm-hmm. So thank you for listening and uh, we'll... We'll talk to you guys in two weeks and we'll let you know what we're going to be covering. We're not quite sure yet, but we think it might be Avengers Infinity War. And then also, if you're new to the podcast and you haven't been listening to any of the episodes so far, uh, definitely check out our last episode, episode seven, where we talk about A Quiet Place with Isaiah. Um, That was a really fun episode and you should listen to that. Yes, uh, and uh, yeah, thank you to Isaiah for you know letting us interview you and having being on the podcast. That was a lot of fun. Uh, he's expect him in more episodes for yeah. sure. <laughs> and we're gonna try to do more guests throughout the summer, also. So um, stay tuned for that. Like we said, if you want to stay up to date on like our behind the scenes videos that we make and stuff, we post all that stuff on our Instagrams. Uh, mine's Mark underscore Akiyama. And Landon's is Landon underscore Akiyama. So go find us on Instagram. Um, go watch that console one video in my highlights. I thought that was pretty cool. It's a really cool product. So check it out. Um, we're not sponsored by anybody. So these these are not endorsements of any kind or anything. These are just products that we products that we find really useful. So if you do any kind of work like we do, um, you should definitely check those out. What else? I think that's it. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, you can always find us at akiyamamusic.com and uh, feel free to reach out and review this episode oh yeah if you can review us on iTunes that'd be really helpful just give us like whatever couple stars so maybe five stars if you want five would be nice five would would be be ideal obviously but yeah yeah. so if you guys um, even you overcast listeners if you want to head over to iTunes just to rate it real quick that would be so helpful Um, Okay, so thank you everybody for listening and uh, definitely stay tuned. We have some really cool episodes coming up for the summer and we hope you will continue to listen slash watch. (laughs) Yes. All right. Thank you, everybody. And I'll talk to you later, Mark. Yep. See ya. All right. See ya. Have fun with finals. Thanks. Yeah, that's (laughs) a lot of fun. It's good. All right. Good job. Congratulations. Bye. All right. Thanks. Bye.